From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from the ESPN studios at Pier 17 in the Seaport District of New York City, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. If you listen to this show at all, you know there's two rules you can count on, especially if you're talking about the Lakers. Rule number one, always listen to coach. Rule number two, coach tells you, you got to get AD involved. It's that simple. And what do you know? When the Lakers listen to coach, they get a big win. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry coming off just kicking butt, taking names on first take. And Harry, I'm thinking of you because I'm sitting here watching the Lakers game last night, and I'm watching AD with a dominant performance, and I'm sitting here the entire time thinking for all of the conversation about how far can the Lakers go, the real conversation is how do they get where they want to go? And the answer to that question is something you've been saying on this show now for two months just get the ball to ad you gotta play through him especially from this point on understand that lebron james right him d'angelo russell those are two guys who are going to be able to get their own shot d'angelo russell is the point guard he's going to have the basketball just about every time down the floor lebron james he is first in scoring all time in the nba He's in conversations about being the GOAT. Y'all GOAT. I'll mention that once again. Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan is still mine. But he's in that conversation. He's going to find a way to get his. The person that they have to get the ball to early and often fits is Anthony Davis. He's a big. Anthony Davis isn't going to get the uh, the basketball and dribble up the court on a consistent basis. That's not his game. That's not why you have him there. But if you get him touches – in that paint, if you get him touches in his sweet spot, if you get him touches uh, at the elbow uh, 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 on the court, he's going to be valuable to your offense and your team. And we know what he's able to do defensively, blocking shots, being an anchor. Not saying he's an anchor like you see Matombo back in the day, but he's a bigger body. We know what he can do defensively. But if you get him that basketball consistently, early and often, and especially when it gets to the third quarter, fourth quarter cl- uh, clutch time, AD is going to be valuable to your team. 38 points last night, 10 rebounds. Guess what they did, Fitz? Guess what Darvin Ham and company did last night? They played through AD. And guess what they came out with? A win, a win in which they just lost to the Bulls not too long ago. Yeah, I think you talk about efficiency, 13 or 20 from the field. You talk about free throws, 11 or 14 from the line, forcing contact, forcing physicality. You mentioned the 10 boards. I'll also throw in four assists for measure. Like I, I think when you look at the completeness of the way Anthony Davis played last night, that's why we sit here and talk about a team that, frankly, by the standings, doesn't look like they are a threat in the West, really. But they are because when you see LeBron and AD – particularly AD playing that well, man, that's when you sort of salivate if you're a Lakers fan. That's when you say on any given night, it can be our night. And, you know, frankly, they were, even the guys are going to have to ask, be asked about it. LeBron James, after the game, was asked about AD having a game tonight. When Anthony's playing like that, I mean, how much room does it create out there on the court for the rest of the He always plays like that. You just got to kick him in the ass every now and then. But he always plays like that, so I never worried about him. But I guess in terms of when he's got going like that, the, the space he's able to create on the court for the rest of you guys? Well, he's one of the most dynamic players that we have in our league. And uh, especially when he's shooting the ball like that, especially from the perimeter, he's able to knock down a 3-2 to kind of open up the space. Then um, it just makes him even more um, just unguardable, and then it just helps the rest of the team. 
I just like the fact, Harry, that he said he always plays like that. You just got to give him a kick in the ass every once in a while. Like, <laughs> can't have both plays on that, LeBron. Like, I, I think you saw the the best of what the Lakers can be last night when AD plays with that level of, of fire. Well, I will say this also. Right now they're sitting in the eight seed. We're talking about the Lakers. But when Anthony Davis plays like that, look at the complementary pieces around. It, it also allows them to elevate and be better. We know LeBron's going to be LeBron, but D'Angelo Russell last night, very efficient, 7 from 12 from the field, 17 points. Austin Reeves, who I'm really starting to love more and more as the year goes on. The man got some savviness, some moxie. He got some mm in his neck. Now, I can't say that word on air because I don't want to get fired, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen, mm-hmm. but he got some mm in his neck. Austin Reeves has been balling for this team, but everything is going to start with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis plays well. It trickles down to the rest of the guys, excluding LeBron James, because LeBron James is LeBron. But when he goes out there and he's dominant, Anthony Davis, that is, the rest of the team feeds off that energy, and you see wins like they got last night. Even though Chicago Bulls, and I can't sit up here and say the Chicago Bulls are terrible. They're a team that's fighting for, you know, a a playoff spot and to get into the play-in situation themselves. So it's not like they're just going to lay down. And then I love, you know what I love from Austin Reeves last night? He, don't he got LeBron back? Well, he going to have LeBron's back. He did the little too small thing to Pat Bev after he shot the little float over him in the lane. That's what I'm talking about, this team. But then you have guys like Malik Beasley who can still come off the bench. I like Hachimura. I like where this team is right now. LeBron came back. A lot of people expected him not to be back during the regular season. But now when you look at this team and how things are unfolding, I like the Lakers in a lot of situations right now with, when you're talking about playoff contention. I like the pieces, and I like how everyone's coming together. The only place – he's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Fitz and Harry, ESPN Radio. The only place I, I push back a little bit is I start to look at some of this with AD, and I start to look at some of this with Darvin Ham. And, you know, the coach of the Lakers, about a week ago, he was asked after the press conference the difference between AD in the first half and the second half. And his comment back was, was his coach, you know, stop being stupid and calling his number more. I think that was a, a great level of self-awareness. We laughed about it at the time. Mm-hmm. But Darvin Ham has got to make sure that he has an understanding of what this team needs to do to win, right? Like, we, we talk a lot about the players individually in the NBA, but the coaches have to be putting their guys in the best situation. I think it takes a little bit of control, self-control, from Darvin Ham to come in and say, hey, I realize how we are going to win games is to get AD f- fed. I'm not going to worry about LeBron. I'm not going to worry about uh, Reese. I'm not going to worry about anybody else. I'm going to worry about are we creating – what we want to create for AD, and then we move things out. That is a a conscious decision. And the fact that Darvin Ham has acknowledged in the past that, hey, I got to make sure I kick myself in the ass to get that done. To me, that's in the back of my mind a little bit. Like, will when we get to the playoffs, is Darvin Ham going to be focused the way he needs to be focused on making sure that AD gets involved the way he needs to be involved? Well, here's my thing. I know that's one reason why the Lakers hired him. That's why he's getting paid. To be a coach and put the players in the best situation possible so they can be the best version of themselves, which allows the team to do what? Win games and be successful as a whole. That's your job if you're the head coach of the Lakers in which Darvin Ham is. So you can't get to playoff time if they make it because they still got to make it, but I think they are going to be able to, you know, get there. You can't be having the slip-ups where you like, hey, forgetting about AD, not calling his number. You can't have moments like that. And also, I'm going to put some onus on LeBron James. You're LeBron. You see the floor better than anybody. You can't slip up and forget about Anthony Davis while he's out there on the basketball court as well. Yeah, it, it raises a really interesting 
thought process on the Lakers? Because I, I think I've been pretty squarely done on L.A. for a long time, and you know that. Like, uh, yeah, they can win their way out of the play-in, but will they make any real noise in the playoffs? I've continually taken the answer of no, because that's a pretty safe and easy answer when you're asking for everything to come together. But then I watch games like last night, and then you look at the matchups that they would have. I mean, certainly, obviously, there, there are teams like the Suns that uh, get KD back, and they've got to feel good about their ability to slow down AD. But not everybody's got an AD defender on their roster, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're looking at the Lakers sitting, as you mentioned, right now in the eighth seed, uh, they're only a game and a half out of being uh, realistically in the sixth seed. They're two and a half out of being in the five seed. Like, there's still a ton of runway left late in the season for the Lakers if they continue to take care of their business. All anybody ahead of them has to do is slip up a little bit, and the Lakers can find themselves climbing up and up and up. So if I'm the Kings, I don't really want, like the Kings right now are sitting at the three seed. If I'm the Kings, I should feel great about the fact that I'm going to the NBA playoffs. I'm breaking the longest drought in uh, sports right now in, in major sports U.S. history, right? I, I, we're breaking the longest Shout drought. Shout out to Mike but, Brown, too. And we're Phenomenal go- job. Yeah, but then you you draw the Lakers and AD in the beginning? Like, that. that's... Worst case scenario there. That like that's an absolute worst case scenario for the Kings. But if you're the Lakers, you're looking at it salivating, saying, Hey, there's some matchups here where frankly, Vegas is gonna give us the edge. Vegas is gonna tell the world we're a favorite from the now minute we just, start that. Now you just hold on for a second. You said they draw A D and the Lakers, Lakers and A D. Oh no, let me correct you for a second. How dare you forget about King James? How do you draw King James in the Lakers first? Well, Come on now, Fitz. If Sacramento ain't going to stop both of them, that's what we know. Like, Sacramento <laughs> right ain't going to – like, I, I, in my mind, I really want Sacramento to get a nice, cushy first-round matchup. The problem is in the West, there isn't going to be a nice, cushy first-round matchup. All of these teams that are, are fighting for the bottom of the playoffs uh, bracket have plenty of yeah buts on why they could turn around and beat a team like the Kings. That's but, what, but, but they do have a big, though, that can stretch the floor. They have a big in Sabonis that can stretch the floor, and fair. AD is going to have to move out. Uh, do I think he's going to be able to hang with AD on that level? No, I don't. We seen a few years ago when Jokic had had his turn against AD, and AD won that battle. I'm more concerned about okay, who is going to be able to compare and stick with LeBron James? Yeah. That's the worry about in that matchup because you know you have a big. Even though I think AD is going to win that matchup, who are you going to put on LeBron James? Who's going to stop LeBron James from being the king? All of a sudden, we're right back to where we started two years ago, where the Lakers feel like they're a difficult matchup for everybody. In the meantime, it's Major League Baseball opening day. White Sox Astros is on ESPN and ESPN Radio tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, 6.30 on ESPN Radio. Seven times Cy Young winner Roger Clemens joins the TV broadcast team as a special guest game anal- analyst tonight. That'll be awesome. The Astros World Series banner will be raised on baseball tonight. You do not want to miss any of that again. ESPN and ESPN Radio 6.30 if you're listening to it on uh, on radio. 7 p.m. if you're watching it on TV. We mentioned opening day. First pitch for the Braves and Nats, Giants and Yankees in less than an hour from now. Coming up, one expert will tell you why one of those teams will win the World Series. That's next on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Major League Baseball's opening day. That one back there on its way. The countdown has begun. Tonight on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on your smart speaker. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
Major League Baseball's opening day. That one back there on its way. Gone! This game is over. How's that to start the season? The countdown has begun. Tonight on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on your smart speaker. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Fun fact, uh, when I was touring with the band Perry, we did a uh, rendition of Take Me Out to the Ball Game that we uh, played at the Major League Baseball House in Manhattan. Had to do like a whole thing around it. So, uh, still doesn't make me a baseball expert. We need we need baseball expertise. It's opening day. Harry doesn't need it. He's an aficionado. Harry uh, Harry's brilliant on all sports. I am the first to admit that we are about to have a riveting baseball rivalry on this show, but it's about to be a riveting baseball season. So, to break it all down, Jess Mendoza, ESPN ba- baseball analyst, joins us. Jess, always appreciate you. Uh, we'll get into our rivalry in a second, but let's start with the, just the very basics here. As we hit opening day and people are coming out of their March Madness cocoon and trying to figure out what absolutely they need to pay attention to, to you, what's the biggest story of the early part of the season? Well, I mean, absolutely the rule changes. I mean, that's <laughs> it's kind of a non-sexy thing, but it's really honestly exciting. And I think for fans both watching on TV watching from the stands, you can't keep your eyes off the pitch clock. I mean, we've never seen a clock in Major League Baseball, and they're everywhere, right? They're, you know, left center, right center. They're behind home plate, two different locations. And you're like, 10, 9, is he going to throw it? What's going to happen? Like, the first, like, few weeks, the storyline is going to be all of these rule changes. If you go down near the field, the, the bases look like pizza boxes. I, like, was literally sitting with Anthony Rizzo, the Yankees, going, oh, my goodness, you would think just a few inches, right, isn't a big deal. They're enormous. Nothing like you've ever seen, obviously, the shift going away. So that's the number one storyline for sure, those rule changes. And then I could go on and on and show Otani, Aaron Judge, how many home runs does he hit. I mean, I'm pumped if you can't tell for opening day. (laughs) And, Jessica, i got to ask you about that pitch, pitch, pitch clock, excuse me, what do you think would be the biggest challenge for players in dealing with the new pitch clock? The hitters. That was something that caught me off guard. I was thinking, okay, you know, pitchers are going to have to change, you know, so much of what they already do. You know, Luis Garcia, there's all these pitchers that have their, their routines. They have to actually go back and change. But, you know, what you think about is they've, they've had the entire offseason to work on it, and they have. Pitchers made the adjustment, not a big deal, boom. Hitters did not. No hitters sitting there working on, okay, I'm going to get in the box. And in eight seconds, I'm going to make sure that my body is square and my eyes are at the pitcher. No. They're taking hacks. They're taking BP. They're doing their thing. And so that's where actually a majority of the violations came. All the complaints I heard, every single one of them came from hitters that were not in the batter's box at eight seconds. So that's something that doesn't get talked about. Eight seconds left on that clock. They have to not only be in the box, they have to be looking at the pitcher. That's hard for a lot of dudes to have a routine, and they're looking at home plate, they're looking at their bat, they're doing their thing, and they forget they actually have to be looking towards who's throwing the ball. Uh, then I have to ask a follow-up here, Jess, because this is really interesting. If you're if you're like me, and I don't know, maybe you're dabbling a little bit on some of these games uh, on, on your favorite gambling app, uh, does the pitch clock in your mind impact runs scored for either either direction, plus or minus? That's a great question. I feel like the shift absolutely is going to. The bases, I think, absolutely are going to. We're going to see more runs scored. We're going to see teams impacted 
by that. For example, the you know Texas Rangers, Corey Seager, Kyle Schorber with the Phillies, both of those teams, because of their left-handed hitters that are going to hit more ground balls to that side, more runs are going to get through, they're going to go through. I don't think the pitch clock is going to impact maybe the amount plus or minus. I do think we're just going to see more action, period. So, you know, both sides. But you're, I think really look at the defensive shift and how actually that's going to affect the hitters, but also the teams that heavily rely on the shift, like the Dodgers and the Astros, for the defensive success. So, Jessica, give us a player who is not a household name right now, but by the end of the season, we will hear this person's name everywhere. I'm going to give you a J-Rod, Julio Rodriguez. And, you know, all of us in the baseball world know who he is. He was the AL Rookie of the Year last year. But at 21 years old, he hit 28 home runs, 25 stolen bases. And again, 21 years old. Now he's 22 this year. If you're around the dude, he's six foot three, but he looks, I mean, he has that Aaron Judge type physique, but he can move. Watching him hold down center field for the Seattle Mariners, this is a player that not only people are hearing his name, but is going to be a bona fide superstar. One of the most exciting players. Seattle's locked him up, so he'll be in the Northwest. And I think growing with a team that's going to continue to grow, as we all know, breaking that two-decade-plus drought, not getting to the playoffs. They did it last year. You mentioned bona fide superstars. That automatically takes us to Shohei Otani. Uh, by the end of the year, where is he playing, Jess? <laughs> I'd like to say the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, that, to me, has been one of the many rumors that's flying around. I know for any baseball fan, they just want to see him on a contending team, right? We're done with the conversation about Trout and Otani not being playing in October. We got a taste of it in the World Baseball Classic. Are you kidding me? This is what he looks like another level when he's playing for a championship? You don't see that every day. Only the GOATs get better when everything is on the line. So we know Shohei's numbers. We know how he can pitch. We know how he can hit. We've talked about it at length on this show, every show. But to see him, high pressure, championship level, we just got a glimpse of that a few weeks ago. I want to see him on a big market team. I'm saying going across the freeway where they're going to pay because someone's going to need to play. We're talking half a billion to get Shohei Otani. And I'm thinking the Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay, so here's the real reason we had you on today. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm Harry. He's Fitz. I'm a Braves fan. He's a you know newcomer Mets fan. I, I should say it like that. Newcomer. Right. Oh, yes. I mean, Harry, 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 look, <laughs> Jess. I'm from Vegas. We don't have a team yet, yeah. so I'm just I'm taking the Mets simply so I control Harry no, all year. No, you you let me finish with Jess. Okay. 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 We're on opposite sides of the spectrum. Who in your eyes will win that division? And Jess, we need you. We need you. Who will win that division this season? Harry, I got you all day. I mean, oh. the Atlanta Braves, not only do I think win the division, I think they win the World Series. Oh, and I then lost it, Jess. Oh. Boom. <laughs> no. I, I mean, honestly, it's the, the toughest division of baseball, the NL East. Everyone is talking about the Mets. Everyone's talking about the Phillies. With due respect, I get it, $355 million for the Mets, the highest payroll we've ever seen in the history of the sport. Phillies won the whole NL last year, made it to the World Series, upset everyone, including the Braves. So, that's who's getting all the attention. But meanwhile, the Atlanta Braves are ridiculous. And you look at just how they get better. They've locked up all their young talent. They are just stacked in their lineup. Their pitching rotation, Kyle Wright coming in last year, Spencer Strider, are you kidding me with the stuff that he had? Runner-up rookie of the year to his teammate. Um, so, I mean, to me, the Braves are my team. I feel like the best team in the NL. I think 
they're going to upset the Astros in the World Series. Now I got one more one more thing for you. Two players for the Braves, right? When they sent down Von Grissom, if he's able to come back on this roster and fill that void of Dansby Swanson and also Mike Soroka, if they can get him going. That makes the Braves that much more dangerous, Jessica. Oh, this, this is oh. what I'm dealing with all year. And you know that that's what's waiting in the wings. I mean, that's what's ridiculous. Is who needs to make trades if you're Alex Anthopoulos, their GM, when you've got those players knowing that they will be returning to this team and just how good, and again, how young the Atlanta Braves, they're going to be good for a long time. Jess, the important thing is everybody loves an underdog. Now I'm taking that. Uh, that's all I can take out of this one. <laughs> Jess, we appreciate you. Thanks for the brilliance on opening day. Enjoy the day, the pageantry, and all of it. Thanks for uh, making us smarter. Yeah, happy opening day, boys. That's Jess Mendoza, ESPN baseball analyst. We got opening day and the opening weekend of Major League Baseball covered all weekend long on ESPN and, of course, on ESPN Radio. Sunday night baseball in Texas, two of the best shortstops take center stage. Trey Turner of the Phillies, Corey Seager of the Rangers. You've got the main telecast on ESPN, the K-Rod cast, Michael K and Alex Rodriguez, plus special guests on ESPN2. And we got you covered right here on ESPN Radio with Boog Shambi and Doug Lambeau. So make sure you check all of that action out. Everyone thinks the pitch clock is the one thing that could bring a new generation to baseball. I'll tell you why there's one more thing that could bring baseball back. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry's countdown to Major League Baseball's opening day with Jeff Passan. The Houston Astros are defending World Series champions and the legitimacy of this title, their second in six years, brought at least a modicum of redemption for the cheating scandal that sullied their 2017 championship. Gone is Justin Verlander, their ace, and yet even without him and Jose Altuve, who will miss the season's first two months with a broken hand suffered in the World Baseball Classic, the Astros remain mighty, still arguably the most talented team in baseball. As many great players as they've lost to free agency, Verlander, Carlos Correa, George Springer, Garrett Cole, Houston always manages to reload. Though with much improved teams in Seattle, Texas, and Los Angeles this year, the American League West figures to provide a far tougher road than the one they carved for 106 wins last year. The Astros don't mind, they know they'll be hated regardless, and they'll just keep doing what they do better than anyone else win. Today is opening day. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, I'm Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And as we will be covering all day on ESPN Radio and all weekend across the radio and TV side, it's opening weekend, opening day, particularly right now for Major League Baseball. It's time for the Progressive MLB Snapshot. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly 700 bucks on average. Call or click today. Find out if they could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Harry, we just heard a little bit from Jeff Passon. We want to give a tip of the cap to our buddy uh, Passon for putting together little montages. We've been playing one every day leading up to Major League Baseball and uh, the opening of the season. But uh, as he talks about the Astros, I keep thinking about one thing. To have a great movie, you have to have a great villain. 
right? Like, uh, you got to have somebody you're rooting against. And the best superhero movies were the ones that not necessarily had the best superhero, but had the best villains. And the Astros, for a prolonged period of time here, have been one of the easiest villains in all of sports. I love the fact that the Astros are consistently good because there's a small group of people that love the Astros and a huge group of people that hate the Astros. And hate watch counts too. Like, to me, the level of interest the Astros will always get because of their scandal in the past is part of what's going to help people gravitate continually to whenever they are in the position to win a championship. It's it's part of what makes the, the game grow because everybody finds a way to turn around and root against one team. And I'll say this, they have been the villain, especially, you know, since the scandal happened. And they've made they've upset a lot of people when it comes to when it comes came to uh, Major League Baseball. But there's also a guy that's on their team and he's a coach and he's actually their manager that a lot of people love when it comes to baseball. And that's Dusty Baker. And I was so excited to see Dusty Baker get his first World Series and actually win it uh, with the Houston Astros. But you're right, though. Right. Every great story. There's going to be a villain. Every great thing in our world gravitates toward, you know, negative things, oddly, for some apparent reason. Mm -hmm. But, you know, playing that whole villain type thing up. And that's what the Houston Astros has been. Now, I got to give their front office credit. And Jeff Passion just mentioned it in, in, in the opening. They have lost a lot of people, but they've also gained a lot of people. They've done a great job within their farm system. And you see a young guy like Jeremy Pena last year. Right, who was outstanding for this team. And you look at their pitching and with Christian Javier and also Valdez and Presley coming in to close things out. They're going to be out without Jose Altuve early on in the season, but they're so solid across the board. It might show up a tiny bit, but it won't break their team. But that also speaks to their depth and how they construct things overall as a roster. So I'm looking for a big year from the Houston Astros, and I love that Jessica Mendoza said that my Braves, mm-hmm. my Braves mm-hmm. are going to defeat the Houston Astros in the World Series. That's who she's picking because a few years ago, two, two years, oh, don't, don't worry, Evan, I'm getting there. I'm about to get there right now because two years ago, that's also what we've seen. And I can only just, I can see Solaire's uh, home run going over that wall in left field right now. But I want to relive it again. I want to relive it again, Fitz. So I, I love where the Astros are right now as a team. And then when they get Altuve back, uh, Altuve back I think they're going to be even that much more solid. But you got Seattle, the Mariners, and Julio Rodriguez. And what he was able to do last year as a young player, they're going to be fighting for that division as well. Well, here's the thing. Vegas likes the Astros. Right now, they have the best odds to win the World Series. That is actually not a good thing. This is the interesting nugget. All right. For the first time since 2018, the Astros enter the season as the betting favorites. Think about that. First time since 2018. Well, who's second? Here's the problem. I don't have that in front of me. Uh, The Yankees are second right now. The Yankees are second. But here's the problem with that. If you go back in history, 2022. 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017, all of those years, the team that entered the season with the best betting odds to get to win the World Series didn't even make the World Series. So you have to go all the way back to 2016 to find a year where Vegas was right on their preseason favorite. So the fact that the Astros right now sitting, according to Caesar Sportsbook, they're sitting at plus 400. The Yankees plus 750. My beloved Mets plus 800, uh, which, by the way, better odds than... 
the Trash Braves, 850. And they have the Yankees as the second favorites? Yes, plus 750 well, for that's the a, that's, The thing about that to me is because when you look at the Yankees, right, at some point I'm figuring they're going to have to match up with the Astros. Last season, if it was a kryptonite, if there was a dark cloud in Major League Baseball, it was the Yankees versus the Astros. They stood no chance versus the Astros last season. It showed it was apparent. And that's where baseball was when it came to those two teams. So I don't, I don't, I don't like. That. I would put the Mets ahead of the Yankees before, before I would put the uh, Yankees at second. Well, right now Vegas says it's going to be the Astros, and if you look at the last six years, that means the Astros are doomed. So this is the year the Mets are going to win the World Series, first time since '86. It's going to go down. That's a look at me throwing out my Mets knowledge as a lifelong diehard, week long fan. <laughs> I am just throwing out the '86. Whew. So it's going to feel good when we break that streak. It's going to feel good. Tune yeah, into baseball. the Padres. The uh, Padres out there too now. Yeah, I don't care about the Padres. I'm all in on, on breaking the streak since 86. Okay. Uh, uh, large and in charge since 1986. Tune into baseball's opening day. I was fat in 86. As the reigning champion Astros host the White Sox, coverage begins tonight, 6.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. we got a lot of baseball content to come. Obviously, uh, with opening day today, we got a lot we're going to cover. We're going to have a good time with it too. We're going to play some games. We're going to show off some of my lifelong diehard Mets knowledge. It's going to be a wild show, but in the meantime, Bill Belichick has walked back his comments from earlier in the week. The problem is Harry says something else the Patriots should be walking back right now. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. What would you say to give them a reason to be optimistic for what's ahead? last 25 years. This is a shift to me in the mentality of Bill. I don't know what he was thinking saying that, and if I was in the locker room, I'd check him right now. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. a shift to me in the mentality of Bill. I don't know what he was thinking saying that, and if I was in the locker room, I'd check him right now. Just when you thought you'd heard the absolute strangest thing that you would ever hear coming out of Bill Belichick's mouth, it got weirder. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Weirder. I was trying to say weirder. Did it come out weirder? I don't know. Weirder is a difficult word for me to say. Everyone, I heard weeder. Weirder? Weirder. You heard weeder? Yeah, weirder. Wiener? <laughs> wiener? Are we talking weirder? Whoa! Like hot dogs. Like hot dogs. Harry, like hot dogs. What are we doing? What? Wiener came out weirder? What? Devin, can you say weirder? Weirder is that I'm just yeah, weirder, dis- like a normal person. This, I'm discussing. I'm discussing. Uh, discussing. Jeez, Louise. What? I'm discovering. You are disgusting. Weirder <laughs> is a very difficult. Uh, like things got weird. I'm good with that. Weirder. I feel like I got to make this weird, like mouth thing. I don't know. You're making it weird for sure. Harry, can you say weirder? <laughs> weirder. <laughs> See, all right, there we go. It's just a me thing. Uh, you think I'm weird? How about Belichick and quotes? And, and look, you just heard it right there. 
when he was asked by our own Mike Reese why fans should have any hope going into this season, the answer was the last 25 years. Okay, there, there was a lot of reaction. We had some of it on this show to that comment, to the, to the fact that that's not something you ever hear Belichick say. Well, now we have a new quote, all right? This is the new quote because I think about how many of us said, hey, Belichick's never been that guy. What, what you did in the past doesn't matter for now. Here's the quote. Quote, we're not resting on our past laurels. That's not the message to the team or the fans, he told the Boston Globe. We have never operated that way and aren't now. So he's at least clarifying. Some would say walking back. I would say he's just absolutely tired of all of us. And so he's like, I don't know where you even got that from. Rather than be like, I probably could have said that better. That's a phrase he'll also never say. But he he seems to walk it back, Harry. Well, it's too late now. He said it already. And he said it to the point of where it kind of rubbed former players the wrong way because they aren't accustomed to things like that coming out of Bill Belichick's mouth. And that's what I mean by what I said on first take today, that I, I think Bill Belichick has st- taken a step back. Now, it's not a huge step, but I think he's taken a step back. Coaching-wise, because of the things that have you know occurred on his football team last year, you see him in his press conference at the owners' meeting you know, saying the last 25 years is something the fans should be able to, you know, be excited about. That's not Bill Belichick like. That's not what we we are. That's not what we are accustomed to hearing or seeing from Bill. That that's just not. And the things that we've seen from his football team aren't things that we are accustomed to seeing either. So they go hand in hand together, Fitz. So you can walk them back all you want to. But the two go hand in hand to me. So now what? I mean, that's the hardest part about this because I hear everybody, and and we've talked about it, you know, should the Patriots go after Lamar? It becomes the real question. But if you're Belichick, it just feels like you're dug in at this point on, I, I, I say this with great reverence to what he's accomplished, but think about last year. Think about last year and the way he approached coaching staff. It's like, I'm smarter than everybody else. Uh, with Mac Jones, I'm smarter than everybody else. I just, like, do you really think that Belichick's going to step up and be like, you know what we need? We need another epic quarterback because I can't win without one. Like, I just, it feels like that would take a lot of swallowing of pride. And I don't know that that's really in his nature. Well, for me, if you ask me, do I think the New England Patriots need to go out to Lamar Jackson? I'm going to say, hell yes. And here's reasons why. When you look at that division, right, you look at the the Jets, and I'm, I'm, I'm banking on them getting Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, four-time MVP, has won a Super Bowl. You look at Josh Allen and how phenomenal he is, a dual-threat guy that can beat you with his arm, beat you with his legs. You look at Tua Tagovailoa and the way he played last season. With Mac Jones on your roster, from the quarterback perspective and the quarterback position, you're fourth in that division right now. Now, you already don't have the most talented roster, but let me give you a broader spectrum. Is Mac Jones going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes? No, no. Is Mac Jones going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Joe Burrow? I mean, my God, no. Is Mac Jones going to be able to go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen? Nope. And let me take it another step further. In the division alone, right, the New England Patriots, with Mac Jones as their starting quarterback, has played the Buffalo Bills five times. You know how many times they won? Oh, no, tell me. One time. You know what happened in that one time they won? It was a snowstorm, and Mac Jones went two for three with nine yards passing. So it wasn't Mac Jones. Now, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins. Since Mac Jones has become the starting quarterback, they played the Miami Dolphins four times. You know how many wins he has? Tell me. One. Guess who didn't play in that one win? Tua didn't play. Now, the Jets, different story. He's undefeated versus the Jets. But if they get Aaron Rodgers, that's a different ball game because you can closely look at the games, the two games last year and say, hell, if, if the Jets had competent quarterback play, 
from that position, the Patriots would have lost those games too. Yeah, it's it's wild, and I know we said this earlier in the week, but I just keep thinking about the fact that top to bottom, I think they have the worst roster in their division. Top to bottom, I think they have the worst quarterback room in their division. Uh, it, presuming Aaron Rodgers ends up a Jet in yep. this conversation. Hey, what do you do to fix that? Even if you have the best coach, even if you you are clearly, if Belichick is just by far the best coach in the entire world still, and when I'm not talking about what he's but, done, but also on top of the conversation, everyone's saying that the deficiency has come with came with Bill when Tom Brady left. So what do you do? You bring in that splash at the quarterback position. You bring in that splash. Uh, do I'm I'm trying to say this gently because it'll be perceived the wrong way and people will get my menchies. But you really think that he'll swallow his pride and do that? Like, because you know, coaches have as much pride as players yeah. do. You think Belichick's going to look in the mirror and say, "Man, what I really need is a superstar quarterback." I just I feel like he's going to try and continue to be like, you know, how like when we were little, our dads all had superhuman strength, and even if you were there to help them, they would try and lift a baby grand piano and take it up the stairs themselves. Feels like that's what Belichick's trying to do with this entire roster. It's like I don't need anybody's help. I got it. I, I don't know. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know the answer to that question. But I know if they want to compete in that division, I know they need a quarterback like Lamar Jackson. I know if they want to compete and try to make the playoffs, Lamar Jackson can help them do that with the personnel they do have, with the run game and the tight ends and bringing over Juju Smith-Schuster. I, I believe that. It's it's interesting because this is a nuanced conversation. However, there have been some massively hot takes, including one about Belichick you have to hear. Good take, hot take next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 